I'm here. <laughs> I'm here ready to go. We're ready to roll. <laughs> Forgive the slight hesitation. We're back. It's podcast. Play on. Play on podcast. Myself, Ben. And myself, Cal. Uh, nice to see you again, Ben. How you doing, my friend? I'm very nice. I'm very nice. I don't think you called me my real name since school, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said on this podcast you wanted to. Yeah, to I did. Yeah, your, professional. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Ben English, but maybe that would be a nice little s- that, side that's nickname. That's sounding very perfect. You sounded like a professional TV presenter. Thank right you. Now. I got the glasses on, and you're wearing the captain's armband again today because unfortunately um, we were meant to have a guest, but due to the traffic in and around London on the A406. Um, we couldn't we couldn't have the show that we wanted to so big up Idris and the uh, we think we know sports podcast check them out um, and we're going to get him on at a later date yep um so it will definitely be good to catch up with them at a later date as you say uh, but i'm always happy to do my Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing and be the super sub for the podcast i thought you were going to say Ole Gunnar at the manager behind the wheel but don't be don't be the manager be the super sub um no no i think today we're going to be uh, Madison and Vardy today aren't we um i'm going to set you up and you're going to knock him down. And then in celebrate in front of the away fans for calling <laughs> my wife a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> um, Remembrance Sunday, it is that time of year when everybody wears the poppies and everybody starts to remember the sacrifices that have gone on in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about Remembrance Sunday and the importance and uh, maybe something uh, that uh, you've got involved in or something that you've seen regarding Remembrance Sunday this year. Yeah, so it's a special time around the world where um, we're celebrating those that have sacrificed um, their freedom you know, for the freedom of others for the First World War, Second World War, and other wars as well involved. Um, and I know my, well, my granddad was involved in the Second World War as a Navy officer, naval officer. So I never knew that. Yeah, Um so RIP. Uh, so it's just because it's a special day we're recording. I thought it's a, a tip to you know tip our hats to all of those men and women who have who've passed, but also the the countrymen who are still alive, and you know that we remember them, even though they haven't passed. We remember what they did for our freedom and just to celebrate them. So yeah, that was just a quick, a quick you know, ode to them. And in terms of what I've done personally, uh, you would get the poppy now and again and try and teach the kids about it but minute silence at the football grounds or two minute silence at 11 o'clock and that's it really yeah just a quick heads up yeah it's, it's nice to remember um and uh to, to kind of have that sense of uh identity yeah um that you get from these kinds of occasions i see you're you're wearing three lions on your your shirt and everything yeah i'm wearing a tracksuit today so i wear the england shirt um so yeah Definitely representing uh, in a strong way today. Lest we forget. Um, I think earlier you were mentioning something about Wembley, weren't you? And the attendance. Oh, yeah, off camera. So, yeah, we, we kick-start with that. So, um, yesterday was uh, the f- uh, biggest, largest attendance for an England women's football match in the United Kingdom. A massive 77,768 people attended the friendly between... England and Germany didn't go quite the way that England wanted losing to the Germans, but what a what what a celebration of of women's football, um, just packing out Wembley and just having all these fans and future players going, and and it's good to see young young women girls going, and they can identify with these players, and they're doing so well within English football. So yeah, massive shout out to them. 
For sure. Shout out, shout out. And not the best losing to Germany on Remembrance Sunday, is it? <laughs> no. As long as we lost to them in the football and not the war. <laughs> but um, do, I do need to go to be, a... Uh, eating a bratwurst right now if we lost to Germany in the war? I'll be eating a bratwurst anyway. You know, this <laughs> doesn't matter what country, what's going on. But I do need to go to some, some football games. My wife... Uh, sort of said, oh, you, you support women's football, but when's the last game you went to? And I was had to shut up because I, I don't go to, I've not gone to a women's game. She used to go to games. Her aunt used to play for Spurs ladies. So, um, well, you know what? I'd be up for going to a women's match. With yeah, her. definitely. I, I actually would love to go and watch Arsenal ladies play. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing better than the men's team at the minute. So we have to switch. And with switch that, we're, we're going on to the Premier League uh, football. Let's do the roundup straight in. <laughs> And um, first of all, uh, how would you like to give us three words? Three words to describe the Premier League season so far. So we're doing the three-word roundup of the game or the season for Arsenal? Um, you can choose. Oh, am I doing it for Arsenal or am I doing it for the whole season? Or? You, you can choose. Um, Emery's very confused. Um, well, and and I think that sums up that sums up the season of for Arsenal fans, of which I'm taking that point of view today, not to make it too Arsenal centric today, but I just think he doesn't still know his best eleven, his formation. He switched formation yesterday against Leicester. Played with a three at the back. They looked okay in parts, but not enough attacking prowess. Passing was sloppy. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know which player to put in. He's tried to show his player power over Ozil again. Looks like Ozil's won that one because he's starting. And he just looks like a frantic man on the sideline. I'm always worried about him on the sideline because he just, he's just constantly on. I don't know if we said this in the last episode, but he's just always hugging the touchline and he's he's barking instructions and the players don't know what, what, he, what he's saying, what he's doing. And you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be doing that at the game. You should have already drilled your team for preparation of the game and sit back and analyse with your team and then every now and again get up and make amendments or be reactionary. Would you not say that was a criticism of Arsene Wenger though? The fact that he wasn't being very animated on the touchline. Um, I think that was, sorry to cut you, I think that was maybe Arsene Wenger's nature. He seemed quite passive at times. I know he was renowned for in the changing room, having players just to sit in silence and just get their thoughts before anyone would make a comment and allow players to make the decisions rather than come in and start barking orders at them. Took quite a mature approach, quite a thoughtful and philosophical view. Um, he wasn't reactionary enough, granted, but with Emery, he looked very reactionary first part of the se first season that he came in, making changes at half-time, switching formations. Second half of games, we were really uh, they were really strong, Arsenal really strong. At the minute, it just seems that he's the complete opposite and he's just constantly, constantly, constantly onto the players. And, you know, there are clever players. Not all players are, are, are simple athletes. Some of them have high IQs. But you just need to tell players their specific roles, their jobs, and work as a team. If, we're not, if they're not pressing, they're not pressing from the front. Do you think, then, that his management style hasn't gone down well with the players and he's lost the dressing room? Well, I think his training sessions are going down well because it looks good, you know, from the highlights that you get on the on the YouTube of the training sessions and it looks some bits look working. Uh, is he losing the dressing room? It's beginning to look that way. Uh, you know, Xhaka was, was liked. 
stripped his captaincy. Ozil in and out. That was a bad decision, the Xhaka captaincy. And the way they conceded the two goals yesterday at Leicester, their heads just dropped. Leno's head dropped, Chambers, and they're just almost defeatist attitude. It's like they were resound to losing and not getting up for the manager or not maybe not getting up for each other because there's always fight there. But I just think something's got to give and it seems as though Emery's time is fast running out. One it's of the worst records at the minute in the league, uh, facing more shots against them than the vast majority of teams in the Premier League. The defence is looking absolutely shambolic. And unfortunately for Emery, I you mean are going to be judged by the decisions you make. He's yeah. He's been given some time to bring in some quality players. He's done that. He's had enough time to kind of get an identity together, to get the team playing the way he wants them to play. And things are still a bit of a mess. Yeah, there's still no identity. I mean, Leicester's a tough, way to, a tough team to go away to. That'd usually be a draw for us, I think, the way we have historically... Uh, but they just, you know, outpressed, outpassed, and just just wanted it more. Just wanted it more. So, well, um, let's move on to the rest of the results. So, uh, in the Premier League on Friday, we had Norwich City versus Watford. Norwich nil, Watford two. Now, I stuck with Pookie for one last party invitation, and I was wearing my party hat, but didn't get an invite. So, Pookie got ditched. Delafayu, who I brought in. Now, Delafayu is the one man who looks exciting. He's he looks better than. Like he's better than Watford almost. He's an explosive player, got a goal and an assist. Uh, I'm expecting big things from them now. Now they've got their their win away, and Delafayu brought him in. So yeah, good win for them. Listen. Better than Watford. That's an interesting comment. I always thought Delafayu was a quality player coming from Barcelona. Uh, did well at Everton. Did very well. Uh, I think that's where he really made his name, didn't he? When yeah, on maybe not. On loan at maybe Everton. it's the wrong statement to say he's better than the club, but he's he's a player that you would expect to see in a a top top team. He could play European football. He could be playing for Arsenal. He could play for Spurs. He could play for Leicester. Could play for Chelsea. Maybe one day he will. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Pookie party. Sorry, Pookie. And you know, I can't believe I've stuck with you. But so moving on to the results from Saturday, we've got Chelsea to Crystal Palace nil. Any thoughts on the uh, Chelsea game at all? Yeah, really impressed with uh, Pulisic. Again, uh, showing his talents. And Willian had a captain's armband. His pass through to Tammy Abraham was just, you know, beautiful little little touch off into his path. Abraham's finishing strong again and showing why he deserves the England call up. Uh, showing Harry Kane how it should be done at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really liking watching Chelsea. I never thought I'd really w say that, but the way they're moving as a team, a lot of English players, really, really enjoyed watching them. And against a Palace team that are quite tricky. Um, Palace have been quite defensively strong this yeah, season. Yeah, you're always going to get that with a Ray Hodgson as the manager's team. Um, and it's I, a London derby as well, yeah. so you would expect that to be no pushover for Chelsea. Yeah. So they I, did well in that Yeah. Result. But I'm really impressed with Willian. He's sort of taken the number 10 role that Hazard had, um, although not as good as Hazard, but still very good. Driving at players, driving at teams, making them commit and then playing playing the ball through. Uh, I'm really impressed with the defenders. Um, Zaha kept quiet again. Verdict's still out on Zaha. I mean, I think at time he's overrated. But we should see what he gets at the end of the season compared to someone like Pepe. 
That's an interesting comparison, Zaha versus Pepe. Yeah. Should we watch out for them until the end of the season? Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, Pepe should get a bit more because he's... I think we spoke about this before in the other other episode, but Pepe is playing in a more attacking team, so it should be stats-wise better. But even he can't get a game at the minute, so... Uh, I think it's, it's a bit of a tough comparison because Zaha is a seasoned Premier League player. And Pepe is brand new to the league. You know, it always takes a foreign player at least a year to adapt to the Premier League. Mm. So maybe it's a bit harsh to judge Pepe just yet. Maybe we should look at him next yeah. season but um, a bit more. But um, there was talk that Arsenal were interested in signing Zaha. So that's why the Zaha versus Pepe debate is going to yeah. be an interesting one to look out for. And I think they both played for the Ivory Coast, don't they? Both Ivory Coast internationals? Maybe. I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, although I haven't actually seen them both in the same team, but it'd be interesting to see them both line up. But a good result, yeah, team. a good result for Chelsea nonetheless. Another clean sheet, and um, Chelsea pushing on as maybe not title contenders, but winning their sixth game in a row. Um, Kovacic pulling all the strings. Uh, Tammy Abraham leading the go- league in goals, looking, looking solid. So you mentioned. Abraham looking so I really liked his finish against Crystal Palace. I thought, me personally, I'm looking at Tammy Abraham's game and I'm thinking he looks a little bit rash and unrefined and a bit raw. Although he does have talent and he's in sensational form. So the form kind of gives him confidence to try things that maybe he wouldn't ordinarily do. Yeah. And it, it seems like everything's going in. But the goal he scored against Crystal Palace, to me that seemed like a very assured quality finish the kind of goal that a man who really knows where the back of the net is would score do you think maybe Tammy Abraham is improving has he maybe reached another level since the start of the season now and will he continue this goal scoring will he maybe score 20 plus goals by the end of the season um, I definitely think he's improved he's shown everyone that he can do it at the top level um, he had a bit of slack before saying he couldn't really cut in the Premier League and he was a championship striker He's repaid Frank Lampard's faith in him and he's looking sharp. He's he's a tall lad, he's fast, he's good with both feet, good in the air. Um, and just like you said, the, the goal he scored against Palace where he was just on the shoulder, he moved instinctively off the fr- off the through ball from Willian and he just kept his head, took it, took that half a second extra that great players do, opened up his body, put it home, and everything's going in for him. Um and you know, it's much deserved. So I, I like to see it for English players. And, you know, long may it can continue. Pulisic in absolutely sensational form. You mentioned him earlier. Um, is he a player that uh, you think will crack on and become a big player for Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, great dribbling and being used at the right time. You know, wasn't rushed into the team. And I think it's, you know, only a matter of time before he shows, continues to show his worth. Um, Willian as well. I think he's been a bit of a forgotten man so far this season because the focus has been on all of the the young English talent coming through at Chelsea. Um, you know, we've spoken about Mason Mount before on this podcast. Um, I think we've spoken about Tamori on the last episode. And more recently, there's a, a right back that's been getting some games. Uh, Reese James, I believe. Uh, he looked pretty good against Crystal Palace as well. Really strong. Um, so there's a, it's great to see this production line of uh, good young English talent coming through in the top flight, especially at a club like Chelsea, where they're used to having big funds and buying the best players and maybe not necessarily bringing through young players. It's great to see them leading the way mm. and showing the world that, you know, 
English players are really good and they do deserve a chance at the top level. Definitely. But a player like Willian, you know, uh, a seasoned professional, Brazilian international, quality player. Do, do you think he should still be a big player for Chelsea or do you think maybe someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi should be getting games over Willian and maybe they, they should be looking to, to sell Willian and play the youngsters? No, nah, they can't sell him. They can't afford to get rid of anyone. What with the transfer ban but yeah they're giving the captain's armband they're giving him the number 10 shirt and the role so that's proving that he's one of the most experienced players so yeah he's got a big role to play um other english well not speaking of like english players coming through or just doing the thing i was impressed with burnley the 3-0 win another clean sheet west ham facing yet more troubles on the road um chris woods popping up supporting uh, Ashley Barnes. So, yeah. Chris Woods, the ex-Leeds uh, United striker. Mm. I think he was on the books at Arsenal as once as well. Really? Possibly. Okay. Don't quote me. You know we don't like to use facts. Here, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, what, I was going to say... What like your Wood, thoughts on that game? Yeah, yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, Woods and Barnes, are they the best front two in the Premier League? My answer would be very simple. No. So, you've got... Right, bear, think about this. You've got Callum, Callum Wilson and Josh King. Mm. You've got... Barnes and Woods, Aubameyang and Lacazette as a front two isn't working at the minute. Yes, they've got maybe the, some of the best chemistry, but just bear, if you're playing a 4-4-2 four, four, or with an attacking midfielder behind the front two, what other front two are going to cause that much damage and link up play and just direct? Salah and Mane? No, they're a front three though. That's a part of a three. I'm saying like as a, as a two, as like a, a one-two punch. most teams in the league play a front three, don't they? So Burnley don't. Okay, so they're the only ones. Then. And Bournemouth. <laughs> the only ones and they're the best. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea don't. I mean, the way modern football's going, the, the kind of 4-5-1, uh, 4-3-3 formation is very popular. Um it might be that, you know, there's not many teams that play two up front. Like you say, Aubameyang and Lacazette don't always produce the goods. They didn't against Leicester when they played the two up top. Um, although I do think they are better strikers, really, quite frankly. Aubameyang and Lacazette with Ozil behind them. Technically that's, that's better, a yes. Attack. That's one of the best in the league. But as a front two, I feel Woods and Barnes are just horrible to play against and they remind me of like those Sunday league players who are just like really strong and brutish and technically good that you just don't want to play and they just keep coming up with the goods um moving yeah so that was just my little thought and something for our listeners interesting thought uh what were your thoughts on the Newcastle and Bournemouth game Newcastle 2 Bournemouth 1 yeah that could, that's a game that could have gone either way um I'm really impressed with the Newcastle player the guy, who, uh, where is he with the with the hair? Max Saint Maximan. Oh my goodness that me! That guy, he is. Wow. Yeah, he needs to score though. I don't believe I've seen a more unluckier player this season. Um, Newcastle doing what they're doing now. It seems like Steve Bruce has steadied the ship, got them on the on the right side of the table, winning. Yadlin as well, um, helping out with a goal, and yeah, yeah. Newcastle look to have some really good. Tricky players yeah. with loads of pace. Almiron looks solid. It's good um, to see John Joe Shelby. I do like John Joe Shelby in midfield. Um, I like John. I don't think he gets the uh, the props he deserves. Nobody really talks him up, but he's think, kind of got all-round game. Hasn't yeah, he? Got a I bit think of due everything. to his attitude maybe in the mm. past. Um, so it's good to see that they're settled. Um, 
so yeah, Newcastle rolling on. Southampton, Everton, they were calling that El Sakiko. Just before we move on. Oh, go on, sorry. Harry Wilson for Bournemouth. Oh, what a goal. What, what a goal. Set piece. Be- yeah, great. Great technical player, young player. Beautiful goal with the way he was uh, set up from the from the corner. I'm a big fan of Bournemouth. And I think what Eddie Howe is doing, he should be knighted with his, <laughs> <laughs> with his great work. So maybe Eddie Howe kind of led the way with the... Uh bringing through the English youngsters. Well, he had to. I think they had a lot of, you know, just their budget and they, they're punching. Mm. I think they're still maybe punching. Harry uh, Wilson on loan for Liverpool? Yeah, do, Liverpool. Do you think he might have a look in when he goes back? Because he's having a good season so not far. Not yet, not yet, not yet. I mean, we'll talk about Liverpool shortly and their strength because obviously they're playing Man City uh, today and by the time this episode comes out, there will be a result. But I think the strength in, in Liverpool, Wilson might have to take another year. So we were moving on to Southampton versus Everton. Yeah. Southampton won, Everton two. El Sakiko, um, both managers on thin, thin ice. Ooh. And Hassan Hutal looking like he could face the sack. The, Saki, the El Sakiko is, a, is an interesting one. And Everton needed to win this. Uh, first win away from home. Goals from Tom Davies and Richarlison, who I really like. Um, could you say Richarlison is better than Everton? Not at the minute, no. <laughs> because he doesn't, I don't think he's consistent enough. Um, you could say that about Sigurdsson, but not consistent enough. Everton always flatter to deceive on paper or on FIFA. You always pick them and they looks like they've got, you know, a lot of speed and options, but they just don't have that killer, killer instinct. They keep swapping their strikers. It was Tolson's first time starting up front. Then they switch for him with Calvert-Lewin. Then... Um, Keen, the Italian, so they haven't got, got quite got that right. They don't quite have that je ne sais quoi. Yeah, so, um, but, uh, but a necessary win for Everton nonetheless, and Southampton at home, it keeps piling up, you know, the 9-0, then play, playing City back-to-back was never easy, and now a tough home loss to the Toffees. So let's move on to Tottenham versus Sheffield United. Tottenham won, Sheffield United won. Again, Tottenham possibly the luckiest team at the minute in the Premier League, the amount of VAR decisions that have gone for them. The first the Southam- VAR refs are definitely Tottenham fans, aren't they? Well, I don't know what they are, but they need to get, VAR needs to get looked at. We don't really want to touch on that VAR too much, but the Sheffield United first goal that was disallowed, I think he was he was over the, like, the line by millimetres. It was ridiculous. Uh, Sheffield United are just the team. They're absolutely smashing it. United. What, you know, the Steel City industrious but good football they're not just lumping it they're not you know they're they're almost like an extension of Burnley the way they're physical and full-on and you know they're a solid team unit but they're playing some really attractive football um and I really liked yeah I like seeing them play stars in Sheffield United no not really everyone's just chipping in yes good solid team everyone chipping in Spurs who knows what Spurs are doing I don't even think Spurs fans knows what's going on and that's just no dig but they're, they're all at sea at the minute. Are, are you impressed with their new signings, this Los Celso and, and Dombele? Both of them started at home to Sheffield United. They're okay. In Dombele, in Dombele yeah. Uh, it's good to see Sessignon getting some minutes here and there. Um, Los Celso, I don't really know too much about them, but yeah, Spurs need to get back onto the back on the horse. And Sheffield United, not an easy team. But I think everyone had them down as relegation candidates and, and they're pushing, you know, they're in... They're pushing for top four now, fifth or so. They've they've had a very crazy very times. good start to this season. Yeah, Brighton could go, t- you know, could go uh, around that area. 
fourth or fifth or sixth if they beat United today. So it's a funny, funny few months in the Premier League, but Sheffield United pushing on, loving the way they're playing football. So that takes us on to the fixtures for today, which will obviously be results as well by the time people yeah. listen to this. Well, podcast. they're currently nil-nil on both, but Man United, does anyone fit? Oh, Man actually, United just actually, gone 1-0 up. It's an exclusive. Yeah. It's a podcast exclusive as you it happens. It first. And it's Pereira, assist no, from Martial. Get your fantasy football goals in there. Mm. Uh, do you think people were scared of going to Old Trafford now? Do you think that fear is in place of I, like I think that fear an iconic is, stadium? I think that fear factor has gone a long time ago. You know, gone are the days of Sir Alex Ferguson. Gone are the days of the intense teams. I was having a little chat the other day um, about some of the great Manchester United teams, you know, with Ferdinand and Vidic at the back, uh, Rooney, Ronaldo and Tevez up front. Keane. Th- those Nutter. were the kind of, yeah, that team with Roy Keane, Nicky Butt. Um, I mean, that kind of fear factor just doesn't exist anymore, you know? I mean, who who do you really have to be scared of these days? The pri- Lingard? Probably the, probably the price of a burger and a pint. That's the... The most fearful thing. Very scary. Is there anyone at Man United now that really strikes fear? I think, you know, Rashford, I mean, pace-wise, Rashford, you're going to be scared of. Martial, but in terms of a defence, Maguire, no. Wan-Bissaka, no. There's no one in the middle of the park. I mean, McTominay will put his foot in. I've been really impressed with with McTominay. I think, you know, him along with Guendouzi could be up for young player of the year or most improved player of the year um, to play in midfield for arguably the biggest club in the country and one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, you know, is he is he a Michael Carrick part two? Maybe not yet, no, but... But he's very young, so he's got time. Yeah, and he's solid and he's got that balance and he's got that passing in him. He puts a tackle and he gets your goal. He got a great goal at Arsenal the other, Fantastic other week. Fantastic goal, wasn't it? So, yeah, and I like the way Brighton are playing. The other game, Wolverhampton Wanderers and Aston Villa. Bit of a Midlands derby there. Big up the Yam Yams. <coughs> I think that's what Wolves fans are called. Oh, yeah? Yeah, not that they like yam. Oh, I wouldn't mind a bit of yam myself, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. I had some soup earlier, but not like... It was just tomato soup. It weren't like fancy soup. But, uh, yeah, uh, Wolves as well, are they able to... You know, the curse of Europa League, Premier League, rotation and it games? It seemed as though at the start of the season, the f- maybe the fixture congestion was having its effect on Wolves' Premier League results. Yeah. The addition of the Europa League to playing in the Premier League as well. But I think they've figured things out. They seem to be rotating the squad well and getting results in both competitions now. Yeah, like a win today could take them up to 7th, 8th or 7th. Is the league still pretty tight? I mean, Manchester City and Liverpool running away with it, um, which we'll talk about briefly because of the big game if I had to go for a winner I would go for Wolves at home to beat Villa yeah if simply because uh, Villa's form has been very inconsistent recently and Wolves seem to be on the up Jimenez has been bagging the odd goal here or there yeah uh, that Adama Traore has got absolutely frightening oh pace. he's an absolute monster absolute monster but then no sort of he needs to work on his um Passing and mm. sort of end products. Doherty, um, Doherty is really good uh, bombing down the right for um, Wolves. Yeah. Um, and Neves and Moutinho are very solid uh, in midfield as well. Yeah, there's no uh, Tom Heaton playing and no Grealish playing for. No Grealish for Aston Villa is a huge blow for them. He's a real good creative outlet for them on the left hand side. Um, so it'll be interesting to see 
how Villa cope without him. Mm. And now the big game. Now our guest that we were meant to have was a Liverpool fan, so we've postponed the big talk of the biggest game. Manchester City, Liverpool. Um, I was listening on the radio on the way up. Just what are your thoughts, Cal? Just going to ask you, I'll switch it around, um, on the manager's rivalry. Like, do you think this is like the, the iconic manager rivalry of the modern generation? Like the old Ferguson and Wenger or the old Guardiola, Mourinho? I mean, if we be honest, there aren't really any other managers of the same stature in the league at the moment, are there? It's literally just Guardiola and Klopp that you could say are top, top, top managers, good enough to manage any football club in the world. You know, they could be managing Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and, you know, Pep actually has done. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, is there a real rivalry there? I mean, with Liverpool winning the Champions League last season... Pep Guardiola not having done that yet with Manchester City, that will be a bit of a bugbear for Pep Warner. He will be wanting to best Klopp, knowing that Klopp is the current European champion. And with Klopp coming close to winning the Premier League last season, you know, he'll be wanting to best Pep and win the Premier League this season. And of course, with the start that Liverpool's had so far, um, the last time I checked the table, they were uh, nine points clear, I Six believe. points. A uh, home win uh, from Liverpool. Uh, should they win today? Obviously, this is already going. The results are already going on, so we don't know. But we put them nine points ahead of City, uh, who have only managed one league win at Anfield since 1981. And we remember last year with Mares with the penalty going over the bar in the last few minutes. And that's when I thought Liverpool were going to win the league because they had some sort of all the forces were working in their favour last season. It's like someone did some some sort of magical spell. Mm. <laughs> some juju. And cast some spell. Some, some kind of obia or yeah, something. Yeah, because they had that incident. They had the, the Merseyside derby. They had, I think, Spurs game. But it wasn't to be then. So hats off to Guardiola for, for coming up trumps. Um, so we shall see what happens today at Anfield. Out of the two managers, which do you prefer? Which manager would you rather play under? That's a bit of a I think ball. if I was a footballer, I would love to play under Jurgen Klopp because he just seems like my type of guy. He's got bants. You know, when you see him doing his interviews, he likes to have a little laugh. Yeah. I think I've heard him sort of curse and swear before, so I know he's quite an informal type of dude. He seems like the kind of guy you could have a beer with and you can hang out with. And, you know, at the same time, he will kick your ass if, you're, if, if you do need to have your, uh, yourself put back in line. So I think he'll be a great manager to play under. And I'm sure he'll improve your your game. You know, I'm sure he'll get me uh, scoring some headers, which is something I've always been pretty bad at doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Guardiola. What are your reasons for wanting to side with Pep? Uh, I just think he does the tough love. I mean, they both offer tough love. They can both put an arm around you. Klopp seems a bit more hands-on, huggy, where... Guardiola will just constantly demand the best out of you. Technically, the way he develops players um, stands out for me. The way like he's coaching, you see, with Sterling moving, um, and he's used that in games. You know, you can actually see it come to fruition. Um, perhaps like a nice, you know, go for a glass of red wine, a cultured talk. Okay, maybe yeah. a, a cheese board. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, a few cheese and crackers and all of that. You know? Uh, after the match, obviously, because, you know... Little, little and it, tapas experience, Yeah, maybe. definitely a tapas over a bratwurst. Um, and I just like Pep's intensity, but, you know, yeah. So I was, I'd say, I'd say uh, 
And he's and he's and he's I like the way he presents himself, you know. Mm. He's like high end Zara, but it's not Zara, it's probably designing everything. So <laughs> <laughs> I rub a I'd few like of his coats. I like to think on his salary he can do a bit better than Zara. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um so yeah, it should be good. Um I've been really impressed with though, just talking about to Klopp, how Oxley Chamberlain has come back fighting fit and scoring goals and just popping up he's scoring some lovely goals isn't yeah, he? yeah and the goal he scored against arsenal in the cup the other week and he know he wanted to celebrate and his face when he when he banged it in he was just like pff, he puffed out his cheeks and but then he held his hands up and he paid respect and i like it when a player pays respects at first not yeah. like adebayar who score a goal and Sliding runs 70 yards teams. into the opposing fans but i'm really happy for oxlade chamberlain and i think liverpool should just have enough today to edge it no um goalie Eduardo. Eduard, yeah um, i called him something else in the whatsapp chat didn't i yeah. some some other random name um edison is what we want to talk about so oh him, yeah he's edison i called edison. him Eduardo. <laughs> so him him being that's the pez name him, him being <laughs> <laughs> north london reds yeah <laughs> so um, city of manchester <laughs> So with uh, Edison being uh, almost like having a 12th player on the pitch for Man City, the way he uses his feet and he's kind of like a sweeper keeper. Yeah. Um, when he's not there, they really miss him. He's a good shot stopper as well. He's a, he makes mm -hmm. great decisions. Mm -hmm. He commands his defence. He's, he's, he's really good at reading the play. Yeah, he's very full on. Yeah, he's very full on, very mm -hmm. athletic. I think people concentrate on his ability to, to play out of the press and, and pass a ball on the drop of a dime. But... He's very quick off his line. He's he's good shot stopper, you know. He's probably a good dribbler as well. It just seems like there's nothing he can't do. Yeah, I'm still waiting for him to take a penalty with a free kick. <laughs> like the old, uh, is it the Paraguay goalie that used to do it, Chavez? Or get on the score sheet. Um, I think he'll be missed today. Um, yep, but at the same time, Liverpool had an injury to their keeper, didn't they? Yeah, but he's back now. Alisson's back. Ah. And Man City are facing issues with, I think, David Silva, no Laporte, Sane's out. Um, so it's just whether Mares or Bernardo Silva pops up and tries to give Robertson a run for his money. So Joel Matip hasn't recovered from a knee injury and he's going to miss out on the City game. So Lovren there to, to make a mistake. Van Dijk was absent from training on Thursday, uh, but he should be fully fit. They're talking of uh, Van Dijk as the Ballon d'Or winner. Get your votes in. Well, yeah, he would be a worthy winner, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's about time someone else won it differently, other than the top, the top two. It was nice when Modric won it. It certainly was. Um, but uh, yeah, with the with the uh, other injuries, it looks like David Silva is unavailable as well, and Rodri's got a, a hamstring. Z uh, Zinchenko's out as well. So quite a few players out for Man City. Being away to Liverpool, Liverpool being in the form that they're in, are we definitely going for a Liverpool win today? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a high-scoring game. And that way, I sit on the fence and then I sort of sound like I know what I'm talking about because the result will come in. And we well, I'm going to say uh, with City having played midfielders in defence recently, missing their goalkeeper... And with so many injuries going to Anfield, with the form that Liverpool are currently in, like you're saying, even uh, fringe players like Oxlade-Chamberlain scoring worldies, um, looking like they're in the best form of their life. I just can't see anything other than a home win. Yeah, so I agree. I'm I agree. for Liverpool. And if I had to choose a cheeky score, 
I'd maybe go 2-0. I think Man City will definitely score and Liverpool's defence, not as strong as it was last season. Mm. It's still the same clientele, but well, with the exception of sort of the rotation of Matip or Gomez. Uh, I think there's a goal in there with Man City always. And wouldn't it be fitting that Sterling pops up and scores against his own team? He's on the form of his life. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go tie at 2-1. 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1 it is. Well, what I think what would be fitting is for us to wrap up this podcast right now. Yeah. Uh, been a pleasure talking to you as always, Ben. You too, Cal. I really appreciate uh, taking over. Um, it's podcast, uh, play on podcast, podcast play on, which is at on the social medias. It's a bit confusing the way it's all forward and back. Yeah, it's okay. It? Yeah, but um, the Beer Rap and Banter podcast, you know, we do on the side. Uh, make sure you subscribe on the at podcast play on podcast play on at gmail.com yep at podcast play on on all of the socials please email us please message us if you want to come on the show or you want to talk what topics you want to talk about because we're about the fans yes most definitely uh, and yeah have a lovely week listeners and take care cheers <laughs>